Well, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Thomas Rich of the River Life Christian Center, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Tonight is Monday Night Bible Study, and we just bless and honor God for the privilege of being with each of you tonight. Thank you for taking time out on a Monday night to uh, spend some time in the Word of God. Amen. We bless God for the wonderful prayer, uh, the, the sincere, the, the powerful and anointed prayer of Deacon Linda Chatine this evening. And uh, I'm, I feel so honored and privileged for each of you who are here. We, we give special honor for Pastor Ellis and for my wife, uh, Pastor Joanne. And tonight, family, as we get started in the Word, I, I do want to say to you that I, I'm looking at my recorder. It's working. I do apologize that last week, I don't know why it wouldn't record, but we missed last week's lesson, but tonight's lesson is on the way. So thank you for praying for us, and uh, let's just have a word of prayer as we get prepared to teach. Father, this is your word. These are your people. God, one of the things that we know that you have told us is that everything that we teach and preach ought to be done for the glorification of you, your kingdom, and your son, and for the upbuilding of your people. And so, God, as I go forth this evening, touch, anoint, and, and, and open our eyes, our hearts, and our ears, that we might receive the word, and that we might be strengthened, encouraged, and uplifted, so that we might be useful for the work that you've called each of us to God, we bless our name. Thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So, family, we started last week, <clears throat> excuse me, on the name the Prince of Peace. As you all know, we've been teaching now for a number of years on the names of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember there was a, a, a pastor that did a teaching called Through the Bible. And he started at Genesis and went every verse all the way from Genesis through Revelation. And in the early years of my life, I kept thinking, man, um, when you're doing that, sometimes you might be missing some things that are important to people. Because I was used to preaching by inspiration. When the Lord would give me a word, uh, I would bring that word at that time. But then I, I, the Lord told me that when he gives me uh, a series to do that within the context of that series it will meet somebody's need and I needed to stay focused upon that the name of Jesus is a healing name the name of Jesus is a strong tower the righteous run in and are saved the name of Jesus is a name that gives vision encouragement wisdom and hope and so we're going to continue teaching on the names of Jesus. And the focus of tonight's lesson is part two, found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It is the very last clause of that verse. But <clears throat> last week as we started, we went into the A clause and the B clause of that. And I'm going to kind of walk right through that verse in order to really draw out what the Prince of Peace really means. Uh, we need to really take our time and walk through the verse. So we went through, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
And tonight we're going to pick up at the third clause, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Then you saw that there were five specific names that are given from there. We're going to go as far into those as we possibly can. Let's read Isaiah 9 and 6, and then we're going to uh, continue beginning in the C clause of that, ver of that chapter. And, well, I'm sorry, of that verse. Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen, amen. So last week, as I said, we went through the A and B clauses of that. Uh, as I looked at Isaiah 9 and 6, I discovered that to properly address the Prince of Peace in that verse, that we must review it in context. So tonight, uh, we're beginning at the C clause, uh, and we're going to go as far as we can toward the Prince of Peace tonight. And so, we're going to start with, the government will be upon his shoulder. Ultimately, this will be the fulfillment in the millennium when Jesus Christ will rule the earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Ah, by the way, King of Kings is one of his names, y'all. We've talked about that in previous lessons. Also, Lord of Lords is one of his names. Again, we've spoken of that in a previous lesson. If you have ever wanted, and since we're talking about the government shall be upon his shoulder, if you ever want to have an understanding of what kind of government you're going to have, or what your government is going to look like, then you have to always start by examining the head or the leadership of that government. Uh, what's its leadership look like? What is the style and motivation of the leadership of that government? In Isaiah 9 and 6 it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it is a monarchy or a democratic republic, a totalitarian government, or some other form of a dictatorship. To have an honest evaluation of your government it will always start with that government's leadership. And Isaiah has told us that the government shall be upon the shoulder of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's do a comparison of government leadership. Politicians of this day look for what they can get from you and me. But if we compare it to Jesus, Jesus looks for what he can do for you and me. Leaders of this day surround themselves with servants. But if we look at the leadership of Jesus, what we discovered is that Jesus surrounds us with his servanthood. I hope you're getting the picture. Uh, leadership is important, and the government is going to be a reflection of the leadership that you have in that government. Uh, Jesus is a, a different kind of leader because he was looking to serve us as opposed to what he can get from us. Leaders of, to, uh, of today use their power to build um, their empires, if you will, 
but Jesus uses his power to wash our feet. I hope y'all heard that. We're, we're coming uh, into the season right now where we, we will be doing the teaching. How he got down on his knees with a towel and washed the feet of his servants. Jesus uses his power to wash our feet, to make us clean, and to make us comfortable. Uh, another comparison of leadership. Leaders of today trade their influence for money. But if you look at the leadership that we hear Isaiah talking about, God so loved that he gave. I hope you heard that. We saw that in John chapter 3. God so loved that he gave. And we're looking to the leadership of the one that that Isaiah has informed us that the government will be upon his shoulder. Let's look a little bit further at leadership, maybe military leadership. Generals of today need regular wars to keep their weapons and their skills up to date and to ensure their own advancement. But the leadership that we get from Jesus brings peace and rest to our souls and our heart. The higher the plane of importance a leader in today's world is, the more inaccessible those leaders become to you and me. But one of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. And all of you know what the name Emmanuel means. It means God with us. So while leadership in the world becomes inaccessible as they go higher, God, through his son Jesus Christ, became God with us. Uh, that's genuine leadership family. So when we look at Isaiah 9 and 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born. Last week I gave you an illustration of the innocence and helplessness and need of a child. But then he said, Unto us a son is given. And I, I shared with you last week that God was letting us know that he was sending his son into the earth that we might have an illustration of what it looks like from a perfect human being setting an example and then becoming the perfect sacrifice for you and me who are sinners. So this is all leading to the last part of Isaiah 9 and 6 where we're talking about the Prince of Peace. Let me just go a little bit further into leadership and then we can move on. Leaders today, y'all, are desperate to be seen and heard, uh, but Jesus sought anonymity so that he could be useful. Uh, Y'all know some of the stuff that's been going on in national leadership, state leadership, local leadership, uh, conflict, the different parties are at each other's throat. They're trying to damage and destroy the reputations of one another. They, they feel like they can't be win unless they destroy the enemy. But Jesus sought anonymity. He wasn't looking to, to make himself look big to be seen, or but rather to find a way to be useful so for the upbuilding of his father's kingdom. That's leadership. That's genuine leadership. If you're looking for leadership in your home, you want somebody like Jesus. If you're looking for leadership in your church, you want somebody like Jesus. And so he said the government, which represents authority and leadership, shall be upon his shoulder. I just want to mention here that that is not the plural 
shoulders. It said upon his shoulder. He's able to from his shoulder to execute the kind of leadership that blesses, the kind of leadership that strengthens, the kind of leadership that gives direction and vision and hope, strength and encouragement. That's the kind of government that Isaiah was referencing in Isaiah 9 and 6. Isaiah 9 and 6 also said his name will be called. I'm transitioning here. I want you to hear that. It says his name will be called. And the idea isn't that these names, and let me re rehearse the names for you. It, the, the names that Isaiah mentioned were wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But let me tell you something. When Isaiah listed those names, he was not saying that this would be the literal names of the Messiah. Well, instead, what he was describing to us were aspects of the Messiah's character. Let me say that again. Those names, a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. These are aspects of the character upon whom the shoulder, the government, will rest. They describe who he is and what he has come to do. Let me, let me spend a little bit more time because way back when we first started talking about the names of Jesus, I might have mentioned this, but today's a good time to refresh. Um, this concept is a Semitic thought. This is related to the Hebraic uh, religious teaching and thought. And a name in the Hebrew does not just identify or distinguish a person. It expresses the very nature of that person's being. Uh, my name is Thomas. You might want to know what Thomas means. Some people think that the name Thomas means doubting Tom because when Thomas came into the room, after they told him that Jesus had appeared, he said, I won't believe it unless I see the prince in his hand. But another description of Thomas might be seeker of the truth, because Thomas was simply saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I want to know the whole truth about what you're telling me. Uh, if we go to the natural description of the name Thomas, uh, some people say that it means twin. I want to encourage you tonight as we think along the lines of names that if we look at it from the context of the Semitic thought, we will discover that it is entirely contrary and beyond the appreciation of what we typically think of a name to be in modern or in the Western context of names. It's not common that we as Westerners uh, would allow influences from external things to necessarily shape or dispose us toward a name that we might give someone because the, the people in biblical times uh, and in biblical uh, regions use names as a part of the value of a person. Uh, you might call me Doubting Thomas. You might have somebody else with another name. Maybe it's James or, or Jane or, or Mary, whatever. All of those names have meaning. But when 
in biblical times, often when they gave a name to someone, that name was symbolic of the character of the person that they expected that child to become. So while our modern names are almost exclusively designated or intended to be a, a means of identification for us, the biblical names were also descriptive and even prophetic of the character, the purpose, the direction that they expected that person's life to take. They were born with a divine calling or uh, expectation in that uh, Hebraic community. Biblical names, y'all, most often were given to be to any person with their significance being built into the name. It was it often had an inherent religious or prophetic intention or meaning. That's not common among us today, but it was very common in the Hebrew tradition or in biblical tradition. In fact, in the biblical context, we would see a parent relating his child's name uh, to deity, if you will, that it would be somehow connected to God or to the call that they think God would have for that child uh, in his or her life. And so they would be declaring its consecration to their God uh, by joining the name of God with the service that the parents or even the extended family, some in some cases, even the tribe, because remember, uh, these are the folk that were represented the 12 tribe of Israel. Even the tribe, they, they were uh, had a, a form of expectation or even a prophetic expectation of what they expected to see that child to become. Listen, let me give you a, a, a contrast here. In, in the U.S., we're probably the most diverse culture on all the earth today. And, and one of the things that uh, you will recognize in our country right now are many subcultures. And I'm going to give you some examples of what you might discover in some of our subcultures. If you're looking at the East Indian community, that is people who are from the nation of India and those surrounding areas there, and, and you look at what they are doing within the, the, the United States as a, a subculture, you will discover that many of their young people are directed in the, uh, toward medicine and the sciences. The Korean families or Southeast Asian families Many of them uh, excel in the sciences because that's the way that they have directed their children and, and their subculture. And so when you look in their uh, subculture, yes, they're part of our country, uh, and, and we know many of them personally, but many of them are our doctors and our scientists, and uh, their, their culture has directed them that way. Maybe they didn't name them like the Hebrew would give a name that was directed toward God, but they raised them with an expectation that they would be proficient in the sciences so that they would become doctors and, and researchers and, and so forth. 
uh, in the subculture of the Jewish community in this country as well as around the world. Uh, these are some of the common uh, things that you see that they're directed to. They're good and, and heavily populated in law, in dentistry, in medicine, and also in entrepreneurial endeavors. What do we do as a people? Where do we put a lot of our energy? Well, we, we're in big in sports and entertainment, but uh, I don't want to just be known for that. I believe that we are diverse enough, smart enough, and capable enough that if we begin looking unto God, he will begin showing our ch us our children as they're being born, that there is a prophetic design from heaven that will help our children to have a sense of being able to know that they can be more than just, and I'm not knocking athletes, I'm not knocking entertainers, but uh, unfortunately many of our young people see that as their way out. But we ought to be helping them to see that they can be just as good as anybody else in the medicines and the science and in law and in entrepreneurial endeavors. And we ought to be establishing them that way. Let me tell you something. In our African tradition, names had significant meaning. Uh, there, there's a name called Masego that comes from the southern part of Africa. And that name meant blessed one or blessings. In other words, in the African tradition, they gave names that represented what they expected to manifest in that child. Another African name is Nia in Swahili, which comes from the eastern part of Africa. The name Nia means purpose. Uh, man, what power do you give your child when that child is born and you help them to understand they are not an accident and they were born with a divine purpose from God. Uh, another African name. Uh, I grew up with a lady who just turned one, uh, 100 years old. She was my next door neighbor for many years and her name was Ola, O-L-A. That's a West African name from the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria and what it meant was wealth or precious. And let me tell you something. To me, Miss Ola was one of the wealthiest and most precious persons I have ever known. She lived out her name. And today, at 100 years old, she doesn't want for anything. But more than just wealth, she is precious when she speaks to you. She speaks words into your life that helps you to know that you are somebody. Miss Ola was precious as well as wealthy to me. I'm going to give you two more African names because you know them. There's an African name in Swahili called Taraji. All of y'all know a young lady from right here in PG County. Went to um, uh, the same high school that Aaron went to. Um, what was the name of that high school? And I forget the name of the high school, but she went to high school right here in Prince George's County. Her name is Taraji Henson. And that name Taraji in Swahili means hope. When that young lady was born, there was hope of something special that she would develop into. And look at Taraji now. She is not just an actress, but she's influential in so many places 
for our community. She has gotten involved in movements that have been making a difference. I have a cousin. This is going to be the last name illustration because I'm simply trying to demonstrate to you that in Hebrew tradition, names were important. But many of us come from an African background where names were also important. And I have a, a cousin named Anika. And in African, that means who is greater than God. Let me tell you something. We all ought to be very intentional about the words that we speak, the actions that we take, the names that we give one another, even the same things that we do. For example, I experience allergy symptoms, but I don't have and I don't claim allergies. I might, you might hear me cough and sneeze. You might see my eyes water, but I'm telling you, sometimes we claim things and so they decide that they belong to us and they're going to make their home in us. And they become such a part of us because we claim them that after a while we cannot expect or anticipate that we can have life without it. I am not expecting to leave this earth experiencing allergy symptoms. So you might see the symptoms, but I don't have that allergy. You just see the symptom. And I am not claiming the allergy, and I'm just telling you, yeah, I sneeze, I cough, I go through some of those other experiences, but that's not who I am. My my name is not allergy. My name is a, a free, healed, and delivered son of the living God. So, let me, let me slow down. I'm going back to the biblical context of names, y'all. Many times in the Old Testament, a name commemorated that the favor of God was being conferred in the gracious gift of the child that we give the name to. Let me give you some examples. In the Old Testament, Nathaniel, that name was meant a gift from God. That's powerful, y'all. And when your child grows up hearing and knowing that they are a gift from God, think of what that what power and influence that gives that child. Another name from the Old Testament, Samuel. Uh, that name means heard of God. And, and, and Pastor Ellis has been teaching uh, out of First and Second Samuel. And, and uh, he's been talking about Samuel as the prophet dealing with Saul. Uh, Samuel means heard of God. No wonder he was a prophet. No wonder he had the influence that he had. That, that was a name that was given to him and it manifested in his life and in the, the, the manner in which he lived his life. One more name that I'm going to mention from the Old Testament, Adonijah, which means Yahweh is my Lord. God is my God, y'all. He is my Lord. And, and, and that's a powerful name that you have seen in the Old Testament. Let me switch over to the New Testament. You might remember that there was a, a, a brother by the name of Simon. But Jesus changed Simon's name. What did he change it to? If you remember, he changed it to Peter, which meant rock. In fact, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. There's so much more I can teach about that. But I just want you to see that names are important. And so when Jesus had a message that he wanted to, to, to stand, excuse me, through this brother Simon, 
he changed that name from Simon to Peter, which meant rock. Uh, we know that when the angel Gabriel visited Mary, he told Mary that she was going to give birth to a son. And then he said to her, and you shall call his name Jesus. I don't know if you remember when we talked about the name Jesus, but the name Jesus means Savior, and it also means Deliverer. Names are important, family, and that's why we're talking about names. But as I've been looking at Isaiah 9 and 6, I, I, I realize I've got to teach it clause by clause in order for it, uh, when we get down to the Prince of Peace, for it to really take on the meaning that Isaiah was pointing toward when he got to the last clause in Isaiah 9 and 6. I'm going back to the Old Testament. Remember Abraham had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had twin sons. The first of those twin boys he named Esau. And to the Hebrew at that time, Esau meant hairy, H-A-I-R-Y, meaning he had a lot of hair on him, not H-A-R-R-Y, but he had a lot of hair on him and be at his birth. And as a result, uh, because he was so hairy, they named him Esau. Then the second twin, the one that was born second, uh, was born grasping the heel of the firstborn twin. And, and so... They gave him a different name. His name was Jacob. And the reason they named him Jacob is because in the Hebrew, because he was born holding to his brother's heel, it was as if he was trying to pull his brother back so that he could come out first. And so the name Jacob in the Hebrew at that time meant he that supplants. He is a supplanter. He will try to take what is not his and claim it for himself and true to his name if you remember history in the Old Testament Jacob would go on to rob his brother his older brother Esau of their father's blessing of the firstborn you saw that in the book of Genesis and I'm not going to go into all of that that's in Genesis chapter 27 but what I want you to know is this, and, and I love this next part of the teaching. What I, what I want you to know is that our God is a redeeming God. Our God can uh, take something that was bad and turn it into something powerful, something good, something meaningful, something purposeful. Uh, that's what he did when he gave us salvation through Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to close the teaching by uh, closing out with this part of Esau and Jacob. And what you will discover when you go down to uh, Genesis 31 and, and Genesis 32, uh, what you discovered is that Jacob ended up having his name changed from Jacob to Israel. Let me tell you something. I would not want to walk around being thought of as a supplanter. I would not want to walk around being thought of as somebody who was willing to try to take what was not mine and claim it as if it was mine. And Jacob had to live with that name. But later on, Jacob had an encounter with God. 
and when he had that encounter with God in uh, Genesis uh, 32 it tells us that he wrestled with God all night long and then after he had that wrestling match with God God changed his name from Jacob to Israel and the name Israel means one who wrestles with God. Jacob got a new name, y'all. In fact, the nation, the whole tribe of people, that, that family that God had called upon when he called Abram and told him to leave his uh, family and his in-laws and for he and his wife to go to a place that he would show them that he had in mind a, a nation that would be his own nation, his own people. And ultimately, they became known by the name Israel. Where did that name come from? The man that was born who had the name Supplanter. But later, that name was changed from Supplanter to Israel. And I just want you to know, no matter what your personal history is, or has been, or what others have continued to try to remind you of, what name your family gave you that maybe you don't uh, see as a positive name or it didn't give you a good sense of direction and purpose for your life. I want you to know God has a name for you and that name will direct your path. It will give you a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. In the Western culture, we don't necessarily choose names based upon identity, based upon uh, who we expect that child to become in God. But that was a part of the Hebraic tradition. And I'm suggesting to you tonight, as we look in Isaiah 9 and 6, and we didn't get down to wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace, uh, everlasting Father. We didn't get to that part tonight. But I want you to know that those names are there, not because those were going to be the specific names of Jesus, but they were going to represent the character traits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God bless you and heaven smile on you. I just realized that I went a little bit further than I thought I would go tonight. We didn't even get close to where I intended to go. But there's so much more to the names as we will continue in Isaiah 9 next week. Maybe we'll finish that. I'm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 9 verse 6. Uh, hopefully we'll finish it. But my prayer is that what we've covered tonight has encouraged your heart. Who are you? Who are you to God? What was God's purpose for your life? Uh, do you have a purpose? Oh, yes, you do. You have a divine purpose, a divine call. Even if the name that you were given in from this Western culture doesn't help you to recognize where you're going. Because you are now a child of the King, that, that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. There is a new identity that you have because you are a child of the King. So uh, the songwriter said, I've got a new name over in glory, and it's mine, all mine. God bless you. May heaven smile on each of you and give you peace. We're going to close it right there. Take your telephone.